so this episode comes with a huge disclaimer, and I'm also going to have a written disclaimer on the description of the episode. It is very heavy. It is a very sensitive topic. In fact, most of the topics that I'm going to talk about in this episode are, in fact, heavy and are trigger warnings. So if you do not want to sit with me through this episode, it's totally understandable. I do not know where everybody is in their own personal healing journeys, but as everybody who has listened to this podcast knows, this podcast is for me to share where I am in my healing journey so that all my listeners know that they are never alone. No matter how alone I feel in the world, I want my legacy, at least in some way, to have documented the fact that even if I was alone, even if I felt at my lowest, I still did everything I could to ensure that the world knows what things like this feel like so that it's documented, you know? There's so much about mental health and anxiety and depression that people don't understand, scientists don't understand, doctors and therapists still don't have full understandings because it works so differently in so many people. But if they could have a baseline, if they could have one experience, if they could have one person who was willing to share and and really like be vulnerable and in depth in their experience and not just sugarcoat things and you know fake like fake speak out you know and um fake campaign um then maybe we can actually start to do something about these things maybe we can actually take action maybe there's something we can do to prevent these things from happening so often. So the first thing I want to say is that right now, the only reason why I'm doing this podcast is because I'm trying to keep myself from doing something that I want to do, but I don't want to do, you know, and there was a quote I saw on Facebook where it says that sometimes it's not that people don't want to live or it's not that people want to die it's that they just don't want to be where they are right now they just don't want to exist like they're tired of existing in this world in this plane in this in this like in in where they are now right and because we can't time travel because there is no such thing as the multiverse well maybe there is who knows but to our knowledge there is no multiverse Mm -hmm. our only existence is on this plane, is on this earth right now. This is what we know. We only know ourselves in this 3D form. And it gets to the point where we don't necessarily want to die, but we don't want to exist on this plane either because it fucking sucks. Like, it truly just, it fucking sucks to exist on a plane where there's so much evil and there's so much, like, awful in the world and there are people who are so like 
vile and disgusting and gross and just horrible examples of human like of human beings like there's just nothing left in them there's no humanity there's there's no compassion there's no decency (laughs) like you see these people don't even have like the slightest ounce of human decency and you wonder like why are others suffering at your hands and it's not to say that we enable these people Because a lot of the times we don't. There are a lot of us who stand against these people. There are a lot of us who stand against bullying. There's a lot of us who try and stand up against abuse. There are a lot of us who try and stand up against, you know, those who take advantage of others. There are so many people who do try and fight against these things, who do try and take action against these things. But sometimes the bad outweighs the good and that's just the reality of it. Sometimes there's nothing you can do to, like, combat that person, place, or thing. Sometimes bad people just win. It's not that we enable them. It's not that we allow them to. It's just that we don't have the support systems to help us with these battles. We don't have the army and for whatever reason, it, it would be like, it would be like the U.S. military trying to fight Thor. If you want to get, like use Marvel examples and, you know, multiverse examples and all that shit. It would be like the U.S. Army trying to take on a god. Someone who has powers that we can't even imagine having. And in just one strike. They can take us out. So if they can take out an army, of course they can take out a singular person. Sometimes bad just wins. And so it's up to the next person and you hope that the next person is stronger, better, faster, or in some way can like beat them. You hope that karma comes around or anything that could finally take the evil down you pray for that miracle you ask you plead you bed beg sorry and it never comes but for the one who's fighting the one who's losing the battle it doesn't mean that they weren't strong because at one point they probably were They came ready for battle. In fact, they were brave enough and they had the courage to stand in battle. They said, this is wrong. I'm going to fight for this. Your actions are wrong. I'm going to fight against them. I'm going to fight for what I believe in. And what is it that we're always fighting for? Right? The answer is usually the same. We're fighting for love. In some way, shape, or form. Whether it's fighting for love from our families. Fighting for love of our friends like we're fighting for love if we're fighting for a person it's because we feel that that person deserves our love or a beautiful love in some way shape or form you know we feel like that person has done something to deserve love in general so we fight for them we fight because we think that that person was never given enough love 
And so they need more. And so we fight for them. But then who's fighting for us? Right? Who's sitting there fighting for us to have love? So we become bruised. We become battered. We become wilted. We become weak. We lose our strength. We lose our endurance. And then we get a second wind. And we fight a little more. But then we take another huge blow. And we lose more strength and endurance. And it becomes harder to get back up. But we try anyway. And we keep going and keep going and keep going until we finally hit the breaking point, right? Sometimes death doesn't come swiftly. It's, it's not always as it seems where it's like this fighting scene and then all of a sudden like the bad guy or, or like one of the warriors gets their head cut off or just gets stabbed or like now it's over. It doesn't come swiftly. Sometimes the death comes after the fact. Sometimes the, the death comes from exhaustion, from being unable to move forward, being unable to move on, being unable to get up. It comes from starvation. It comes from the internal bleeding, the bruises that we don't see. Right? We could be fine on the outside, but inside, that blow that struck us may have ruptured a spleen, or that blow that struck us may have broken a rib, or you just don't know. You don't know. But sometimes, death just doesn't come swiftly. You would hope it does. You would hope it would be quick and painless. <laughs> But sometimes it's long, drawn out, and painful. Sometimes it starts with a heartbreak. And then another heartbreak. And then another heartbreak. Until you realize, like, I don't know if my heart can break anymore. I think this is it. I think this is the last one. I don't think broken is the word for it anymore. It's dead. And your heart is your life force, right? Without it, you really can't live. And I truly believe that people can die from a broken heart. I, I honestly believe that, you know, there are times where I've seen stories where it's like, oh, like so-and-so died of a broken heart because someone they love passed away or someone they love left them. It's 100% possible. I truly believe those stories. I have lived with the physical pain of a heartbreak. Emotional pain manifests itself in, in, in ways that you never thought imaginable. Emotional pain, anxiety, depression can really truly manifest itself into physical symptoms that are ugly and painful and draining and deadly. And I say that with 100% honesty because I have felt it. And again, I believe you can die from it. I believe you can have an anxiety-induced heart attack. I believe 
that you can die from heartbreak because you just give up and your heart can't pump anymore. I truly believe these things are possible. I was talking to a friend tonight and we were on the phone for an hour and a half. And, you know, I, I shared my thoughts about what it's like, our mindset, because here's another thing. Suicide doesn't have an age limit. I remember that there was one time I was like so distraught over an argument that I had that I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. And this was when my anxiety and depression was really, really bad. Like, really, really bad, you know? Um, so every little thing, any small argument made me feel worse. And this is the thing that people don't understand. With anxiety and depression, the small arguments are much, much bigger. They're world-ending. We don't mean them to be. We don't want them to be. But to us, that's what they feel like. They feel like devastating. They feel world-ending. So when my anxiety and depression were at its highest, I had an argument. And after that argument, I remember feeling like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this. I just want to give up. And... I want people to know that, again, suicide has no age limit. I want people to understand that you could be 35 and think about it. I mean, Robin Williams was like in his 60s. Kate Spade was like 50-something. Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park was 41. I'm 34. <clears throat> I've thought about it at 33. I've thought about it at like... 30. I've thought about it at like 29. It has no age limit. It doesn't discriminate. It takes anyone. It takes someone who fought the good fight. It takes the person who tried to give the world the most. Right? When you think about the people who've done it. You look at Robin Williams. What did he try to do? What did he want to give the world? Laughter. Right? They say laughter is the best medicine. And that's what he wanted to give the world. He even did that movie Patch. About, you know, being a doctor. And, and, and like, these kids had cancer. And, and he just wanted to make them laugh. He wanted them to, like, feel joy and be happy. And Robin Williams did that every day in his life, every day throughout his career. <laughs> he wanted to give people laughter. And to me, laughter is a form of love, right? Because if they say laughter is the best medicine, and everybody knows that love, again, is like the best healer, and love is everything, and love is what we desire, and love is what we want, then it's safe to say that laughter is a form of love. So Robin Williams was trying to give people love. 
Kate Spade, right? I mean, yeah, she was like a a fashion designer and a purse designer, but again, she inspired women. She inspired so many women, you know. Chester Bennington, who didn't love Lincoln Park? Like his voice, his music, it struck your soul. There was something about him, his energy, his performances. Like, if you loved Lincoln Park, you loved Chester Bennington. They just went hand in hand. <laughs> he gave the world love through his music. In fact, he's the reason why so many people felt like they weren't alone, right? If you listened to some of his lyrics, like my favorite song from Linkin Park is Faint. And the lyrics hit me every time because it's just like, you know, like there's there's a part and it's it's Mike's part. It's not Chester's part where he says, I am a little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard. A handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars, right? <laughs> Their music spoke to all the dark thoughts and the things that we felt in the deepest, darkest corners of our hearts and our minds. And yet it was sweet release, right? They brought love through music. They healed through music. No matter the modality, each one of these people had a goal. They weren't trying to they were trying to give more than they got. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the burdens became too much for them to carry. And I know that there are so many people who, when they think about it, they're like, oh, I wish like that person would have reached out to me. I wish that they would have said something. I wish I would have saw the signs. We don't show you the signs. Nine, nine times out of ten, you won't see the signs. We won't share with you no matter how many times you ask what's wrong. We know the pain of our burdens. And we don't want to inflict that pain on anyone else. It's like... It's like if I was carrying a 40-pound bag up a hill... And I knew that carrying that weight on my back would severely injure my back. And then somebody said to me, give me some of that weight. But if I give you some of this weight, it could potentially hurt you. And they're like, I don't care. I'll take that risk. We don't want you to take that risk. We're already hurting. We don't want you to be hurt. We don't want you to feel an ounce of what we're feeling. We would do anything to prevent that from happening. So we won't share our burdens. We won't tell you what's going on. We won't talk even if you asked us to. We won't show you the signs. It's scary at how well we are at hiding the signs. Which is why I, I, I always say that anybody who speaks out 
And I don't mean to say like anybody who speaks out, but I mean, there are people who speak out and they're like, oh, like, I'm going to show you this, this, and this. And you can like, you have to question it. You have to question it because this is hard for me. I'm sitting here thinking, why am I recording this? Who's going to listen? Who's going to care? And do I even want to show people this? Do I even want people to know this? But I know it's going to land somewhere. And I know someone's going to listen to this and be like, oh shit, I really needed that. (laughs) We won't show you the signs. We won't tell you. We won't share. You'll never see it coming. No matter how many times you ask. No matter how many times you feel something's off. We will assure you everything is fine. And then we'll wait till you believe it. So that we know that you're at peace. And then we walk away. And then we go away. So I would rather spend an hour and a half talking to someone and saying, thank you. I'm okay. I promise. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I appreciate it. Okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Knowing that, I don't know if that's going to be true. Knowing that chances are, I'm thinking about not making it to tomorrow. That's the other thing. A lot of people are like, Oh, I wish they would have left a goodbye note. (laughs) No. We won't do that either. We won't say goodbye because that's hard for us to do. It's hard to try and write a goodbye to someone when you know that, again, you don't want to die, but you just don't want to be here. So how do you write that? Like, how do you say, hey, so-and-so, I'm trying not to commit suicide tonight, but I don't want to be here anymore. So I just wanted to say, I love you and goodbye. Or we do the opposite. We envision someone holding our letter, someone reading our letter. We envision their facial expressions. We envision their tears. Or sometimes we just envision nobody caring at all or nobody ever finding our letter or nobody ever reading our goodbye. We don't write the goodbyes because we don't want to think about if they're received and we don't want to think about the person's expression when they receive it.
we'd rather not think about it. So it's easier for us to just like, once again, walk away. Like, to be honest, if I did it, the only people who would know would be the last two people that I spoke to. My own family wouldn't know. Nobody would know. If you're wondering why I'm here right now, um, heartbreak is real, people. If you heard my last episode, you heard about my situation. Um, and it's a decision that really like impacted my relationship. I needed certain assurances. I needed to feel like I was doing the right thing. And all I felt was guilt. I felt like going through with terminating the, f the pregnancy was so wrong. Because I felt like I, I felt like the choice that I was being asked to make was not a fully informed choice. I felt like there were feelings and conversations that he was not willing to have with me. And when I called him out on those things, on my suspicions as to what I thought the real reason was. I was basically told I was wrong, but then I was proven right. So it became a situation where I did not feel like terminating the pregnancy would be the right thing to do. And instead, I felt like keeping it is the right thing to do. And in that decision, apparently my relationship ended. I've already been feeling burdened with this situation, with the death of my grandfather, with everything going on lately, I already felt burdened to the world and to everyone I know. And now to have to go out into the world as a potential single mom, I don't know if I can do that. And as I'm speaking right now, I'm starting to feel like chest pains and I'm starting to feel like tightness and windedness so those physical symptoms are definitely like manifesting and and as i told you i truly believe it's possible 
I don't know if I'm ready to journey through this life as a single mom, but I may have to. But I am very, very distraught right now. And this podcast probably doesn't even make sense because I wanted to talk a little bit more about again, the logistics and, and the things that we go through in terms of like suicide and anxiety and depression. But these podcasts are not always logical and cohesive and well-formed thoughts. A lot of the times they're just feelings that I move through. And that's what makes this podcast so real and so raw. So right now I'm moving through these feelings And I bought myself another half hour. And I don't know what to do next. I may not be able to buy myself another half hour, but for now, this podcast bought me 30 minutes. Unfortunately, nothing's changed and I still want to do it. But that's 30 more minutes that I spent in some way, shape, or form, fighting because I fought through the podcast. But I don't know if I have more fight left in me. And I'm really getting exhausted and tired. So I don't know how much fight I have left. (laughs) But if these physical symptoms are a reflection of anything... It's that I'm at the end of my battle. That I'm truly at the end of this fight. And, um... I may have lost. I could sit here and say, Hey, if you know anybody who's contemplating suicide, um, please look out for the signs. There are none. I could say, hey, if you know somebody who's going through it, have them call the 1-800 number. That 1-800 number, that number is fucking useless. In fact, I'm going to title this podcast 1-800-FUCK-YOU because it really truly is useless. The last time I tried to call it, they were just like, well, I don't think a breakup with your boyfriend is exactly something to be so like, you know, like suicidal over like again it's heartbreaking and again you're going through a tough time and that it's not the ideal situation no bitch this is the worst situation like if I had come to you and said because here's the other thing right women who go to these hotlines won't exactly say that you know like they felt like they, they won't say the whole story. They'll just say, oh, I broke up with, with my boyfriend. Women who break up with their boyfriends or who experience the breakup as a result of domestic violence won't share that it's a result of domestic violence. Women who re- experience breakup as a result of an argument won't say that it was because of an argument. Most of the times, they'll downplay the breakup. <laughs> So these 1-800 numbers are like, oh, well, it's not something to break up over. No, this is life-changing. 
Because that woman that you're speaking to may have been financially dependent on her partner. That woman that you're speaking to may have lived with her partner and now she has to find another place to stay because that partner's name is on the lease or in the rental agreement. That woman that you're saying, oh, it's okay to may feel like this is the end of the world because she just lost the love of her life. You don't know which woman you're getting. So to say, oh, that's not something to do this over. I'm not going to tell you the ins and outs of the argument. I'm not going to tell you all the details. I'm just letting you know my heart is broken and this is where I am. <clears throat> So 1-800-FUCK-YOU. Because those hotlines are useless. Anyway. Um, 33 minutes. I bought myself. I think that's a good fight. I'm ready. To give up. And throw in the towel. And surrender the white flag. I hope this helps someone, anyone. You're not alone. I can't say that though. In fact, it's probably the worst thing to say because I feel alone. And I know that again, somewhere out, somebody out there is gonna tell me, oh, but you're not alone, okay. But that doesn't change the way that I feel. I have no good words to say. I get it. Everybody could tell you you're not alone. And you may in fact have a full supportive army behind you. But if you feel alone, I see you. I get it. I understand. But if I could save you today, then it's worth it. Because if I could save you, even if I couldn't save myself, then that's worth it. I'm probably not alone, but I sure as hell feel it. I hope I saved someone. I hope this saves someone. I hope I did enough. <laughs>